Good morning. Well, as you likely know, we have spent this season learning from the ideas in James Bryan Smith's book, The Good and Beautiful Community. And as you heard in our WECC broadcast this morning, we're talking today about the encouraging community. So I thought I would begin with examples of some familiar communities that gather to encourage each other. Now, each community may or may not be familiar to you, but I'm guessing that you're, you're going to know a few from my list. You see, we often see examples of people gathering together to share stories, to spend time with each other, to encourage each other. They do this in a familiar place, and we see it on TV shows, right? So, like, one such place might be Central Perk, the coffee shop in... I need no friends. All right. So how about Nemo's Pizza from Everybody Loves Raymond? Remember that one? Both of these places, the coffee shop, the pizza place, these are places where familiar TV characters gather regularly and often encourage each other. All right. Another one for our older members might be, do you remember Arnold's Diner in Happy Days? Yeah. All right. Um, how about our younger friends with us? You might recognize the Krusty Krab from SpongeBob SquarePants, right? So these are all more gathering places for encouragement. Now, when I was in high school, the characters in Saved by the Bell hung out at the Max. Remember that? Or the encouraging place that I'd love to sit in on Sunday is the Sunday family dinner on Blue Bloods. <laughs> I'd love to be there. But these are all places where everybody knows your name, right? <laughs> where people gather together and hopefully they spend time encouraging each other. Now, while these are all fictional, we do have many real-life examples of encouraging communities that gather. Think of all the groups that meet here at ECC. We have a Tuesday morning Mops and Moms Next group. We have a Tuesday, Tuesday evening and Thursday morning Net Women's Bible Study. We have a Wednesday morning Men's Fellowship. We have middle school and high school youth groups. We have um, men's and women's retreats and Sunday morning Christian formation and the Thursday evening prayer group. We have a number of Bible studies and small groups that I haven't even named, all places where members of God's family meet together to challenge, encourage, and care for one another. Now, I've been blessed by being able to participate in many encouraging communities, many of them here even, but I have a picture of one to share with you this morning. Now, it's a picture that we took, um, my friend took on her phone, but I've been meeting with these women since we were in seminary together in 2005. So if you start at the top and go to the bottom, we now live in Connecticut, Oregon, California, and Indiana. And, but we still meet on Zoom to um, share life and pray together. We've been praying together for a long time. We met this past week. Actually, two of us are preaching this morning. And this group of friends definitely brings me life and joy. And you can see that in my really exuberant smile there. <laughs> So I hope and pray that you have an encouraging community in your life. And if you don't, we would love to help you find one. There are opportunities here. Um, this morning, though, we are going to be looking at how our larger church, all of us together here at ECC, can be an encouraging community for all who walk through our doors. That brings us to our passage today from Hebrews. And I'm actually going to go back to verse 22 so that we can read three calls to action that the writer of Hebrews has for the reader. Um, it's three statements that begin with, let us. And these statements apply even to us today. These are our privileges as the people of God. This is who we can be as the body of Christ. 
So first, in Hebrews 10.22, we read, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Now, this is a motivation for everything else that we're going to talk about this morning. As we draw near to God, we continually draw strength and grace from God, just as a lamp wick would continually draw oil for the light. You see that wick in the lamp? It's in the oil all the time. And the flame comes because the wick is continually drawing the oil for its fuel. So just like we found in most of the good and beautiful life that we spent time in and the good and beautiful community, um, it's a heart issue. Our hearts need to continually be drawing from the fuel of God. So where is our heart with God in this matter? This is where we begin. When we draw near to God with a sincere heart, he moves our hearts in ways where we want to encourage one another. This drawing near to God, it can happen anywhere and at any time. So our second call to action is in Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. We confess our hope, our faith in Christ. We share the source of our hope with others, professing our faith in God, and God will be present in the lives of others just as he have, has been present in our own lives. Everyone receives, receives the same blessing, and no one receives favoritism from God. God is faithful. He keeps his promise to anyone and to everyone. So we profess this hope, and we hold on to it unswervingly. We keep a tight grip on our faith in God, and we know that God does not bend or change his ways, so our hope that we're holding on to doesn't have to bend or change. It's unswerving. We can hold on to this Christian hope because it's grounded in the work of Christ, and we know that the work of Christ is never going to change. So our third call to action this morning as a community is from Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now we're going to talk about the rest of that statement a little bit later this morning, but that's the third of our let us statements. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, our responsibility is just not to hold fast to our own faith, but we're responsible for encouraging other believers to hold fast to their faith. We're to focus our attention on intentionally encouraging others in the Christian community through our words and actions. And this kind of encouragement demonstrates a supportive love for each other in the family of God. We don't spur one another on with finger-shaking and lecturing and telling everybody what they're doing wrong. But Hebrew says we're followers of Christ. He calls us brothers and sisters in the same family. Um, he calls us partners in the same enterprise. And the author of Hebrews calls us members of the same household. That's how we spur each other on, as people in the same family, the same enterprise, the same household. We see in Hebrews 3.1, that we are holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. And as we love and encourage and share what is happening in our own lives, like brothers and sisters, we help each other to fix our thoughts on Jesus. We help each other to live in this strong and unshakable kingdom of God. So this morning, I wanted to look at the story of a worship, worshiping community and see if we could identify these three calls to action, these three calls to let us draw near to God, to let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and to let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So as I tell you the story, you may find that it's a familiar one. It's a story from Jesus' life, 
from the Gospels. Now, I'm going to share some pictures, and these are all imagined pictures from a TV series called The Chosen, where writers guide us to see Jesus through the eyes of those that met him, Mary Magdalene, Peter, Matthew, and Nicodemus. So I'm drawing the images from that show, but if you want to watch the whole video of the scene, I have linked to it in the Bible app this morning. You can watch it after worship. It's about five minutes long, and it's a really neat scene. So um, this story is from Luke chapter 5, where some friends bring their friend to Jesus. And their friend has been paralyzed since birth, but they have heard that Jesus is a man who works miracles of healing. So as I tell the story, this is going to be something that's easy for our kids to do, I want you to imagine where you might be in the story. All right, as, as I tell the story, try and imagine yourself there. Where would you find yourself? Where would you be? What would you see? What would you hear around you? What might you smell or what could you touch? So put yourself in the story as we tell it this morning. So in our first picture, we see that the people have indeed drawn near to God. Yes, Jesus is actually in their midst. Do you see him on the right of the screen there? He's actually in their midst in a different way than he is today. So they're present with him in body. But it's not necessarily easy for them to get there to be with Jesus, though. There's a huge crowd. You can see some people are in the building, some people are outside, and these friends of the man who is paralyzed, they've traveled and they've overcome obstacles and they've gotten to Jesus, but their final obstacle is that the space outside and in and around the room is all too crowded and they can't get in. Well, they're about to find a way. So they've drawn near to God as near as they can, and now the friends are going to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. In this scene, we see the woman. She's one of the women standing on the roof, one of the friends. And she's looking down at Jesus, and she says, she professes her faith. She says, Jesus of Nazareth, I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childbirth. He has no hope but you. Please do for him what you did for the leper. And later on, the same woman, the same friend says, you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. The woman, the woman proclaims her faith in who Jesus is, and then the friends make a bigger hole in the roof, and they lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus. You can see in this picture, you can see and count the four friends who are on the roof around him, and Jesus is down below in the middle of that opening. The four friends have their friend who is paralyzed in a net of sorts. He's the one wearing the white. And they're using a rope and a pulley to carefully get their friend down to Jesus. So they've proclaimed their faith. But the third call to action is to let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, in this gospel story, do you know what happened? The people saw a healing right in front of their eyes. Jesus tells the man that he is healed, and this man who is paralyzed stands up to walk, and there's great celebration and cheering. You can see joy in the faces of these people. They're astounded because this man starts wiggling his toes, stands up, and walks, just like he's done it his whole life. They have seen a healing, and that adds to the encouragement of this community. So as the man leaves, everyone reaches out to touch him. The people were gathered to hear Jesus' preaching and teaching, and as they gathered, they witnessed a healing. Everybody wants to reach out and be a part of this. Where do you imagine that you would be in this story? So the healed man leaves, and he goes home praising God. He has experienced great encouragement. Luke tells us also that 
everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The community has experienced encouragement. This place right here, right now, ECC of Lafayette, online, in the sanctuary, we are a place where we draw near to God, where we proclaim the hope we profess and where we encourage one another. There were four friends who brought their friend to Jesus. Who can you bring to this encouraging community of worship right here at ECC? Now, the encouraging community of the church is different than the communities we started out with, though. We're not just Central Perk where we gather for coffee, though in some seasons we have coffee. We're not just the Blue Bloods dinner table where there's good food and conversation, though in some seasons we have good food and conversation. But that's our good news. We are an encouraging community when Jesus is in our midst. When we gather together for corporate worship, we're encouraged. When we share life together in corporate worship, we're encouraged. We name who we are. We hear God speak to us. He calls us on the phone sometimes. <laughs> we lift each other up in prayer. We sing songs of redemption and forgiveness and identity. Did you hear those things in our songs this morning? We see and hear of healing. We share testimony of how God is at work in our lives. And we remind each other that God is alive and active in our world today. This is how we spur one another on. We're an encouraging community when Jesus is in our midst. So we definitely play a role in encouraging. You know what? Even if we mess up, and we don't find ourselves to be the most encouraging, God can still bring encouragement because Jesus is in our midst. So I wanted to look this morning at some intentional practices of how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, how we might do this practically, how we look at these words of encouraging one another, and how we live it out in our day-to-day, -day, in our week-to-week, -week, in our community life here at ECC. First of all, we encourage one another when we gather for corporate worship. The writer of Hebrews tells us to not give up meeting together. It's in Hebrews 10.25. Gathering for worship and meeting together isn't an option. It's a necessity. I'm so glad that we've gathered together here this morning. Now, earlier in Hebrews, the author notes that some followers of Jesus were neglecting helping those who were struggling in their faith. So part of gathering together is a willingness to help those who are struggling in their faith and part of gathering together is also admitting that we're not self-sufficient, that we do need the help of others to grow, that we can't do it all on our own. Now, the writer of Hebrews is also not advocating for groups to splinter off so that they can live into this identity. The letter may have been addressed to a group who's trying to split off from the main group of Jesus' followers, but I want you to hear that no church is ever going to be perfect. And you're never going to find a place where everybody agrees on everything 100%. So if you find yourself struggling with something in the life of a church, we have an opportunity for earnest prayer and careful thought, loving discussion and united action to bring change, rather than running away and leaving when there's something we don't like. But the changes that a church makes may also not be what we expect or we're even sure we want. But like a Christ-centered community, we seek the common ground rather than separate from each other. We're reminded of our common ground in the songs we sing together. The songs we sing together remind us 
of our shared identity. That's where we find our common ground. In the good and beautiful community, James Ryan Smith tells a story of how he was ready to stay home from church one morning and skip that week. We've all been there, right? So he was ready to stay home, but he found out that he couldn't because his son was going to be presented with a Bible for completing confirmation that day. So immediately he got dressed and he knew he was going to be going to church. So he went to worship with his family and together the church sang Blessed Assurance. And Smith says, as we sing, the community reminds me who I am. The community has this power. We are bound by a common story and as we tell it, we are reminded of our true identity. This is the power of gathering together for corporate worship. But two disclaimers. So to not give up meeting together doesn't mean that you have to be here and each person is here every single time the doors are open. Be meaningfully engaged in the body of Christ, not just running from one church activity to the next. This past year, though, I'm guessing that that hasn't really been a struggle for many because <laughs> COVID has kind of put a damper on overfull schedules everywhere. But maybe the second disclaimer applies more to you. How can we gather when we're told to hunker down Hoosiers? How can we gather when we do indeed have a serious health pandemic going on and you may need to stay home for your own health or for the health of someone in your family? I know we're getting tired of it, but right now I think it's true that engaging with the body of Christ online or on Zoom or through phone calls and texts is a very valid and admirable way for you to be involved in the body of Christ. It's an admirable way for you to be involved in the encouraging community of ECC. I think it's true that when you're engaged to the amazing technology that we have today, you have not given up meeting. Thank you for staying engaged in these ways. You are part of our worshiping body here at ECC. So second, we can be practical about encouraging one another by remembering that we're on a limited time frame. The writer of Hebrews says that we should encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. You see, in the time of Hebrews, the followers of Jesus thought that they might be in the last days. There was cultural unrest and premonitions of disaster and impending destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. But each generation since then has felt like we're in the last times, though, haven't we? Time is always moving forward. So each generation is indeed moving closer to the approaching day when Jesus returns. God is working out his predicted purposes and we have a sense of imminence that this final day is coming. But this sense of imminence should keep us expectant and full of hope. We should gather to encourage each other, to renew our hope, and to study and affirm the eternal truth in God's word. Right now, we can witness and we can serve and we can go outside these doors and be engaged in our community. And there are immense opportunities, but our time to do so is limited. When the day comes, we may wish that we had done so much more. We're being encouraged not to waste the time that we have now because there will be a day when we can't witness and serve anymore in the ways that we are doing right now. So the third piece of instruction we have toward encouraging one another is to develop true fellowship. To develop these deeper relationships that meet a human need for spiritual and emotional connection. When we do so, we will be a compelling community. The deeper relationships that we're called to develop with each other for the purpose of encouraging one another 
These are relationships where we push each other, as Kate prayed, toward compassionate activity done for Christ. We push each other toward relationships where we speak truth into each other's lives in a way that challenges us and calls us to a higher standard. When we gather together, this is the place for both mutual encouragement and exhortation. So as Smith says in this chapter on the encouraging community, the community exists to shape and guide my soul. The community has a right to expect certain behavior from me and can provide the encouragement and accountability I need. We come to church not expecting that the community exists to serve our needs and our whims and give us all fuzzy feelings. We come to church so that the fellowship of people who are gathered here can shape us into people who are more like Christ and people who love Christ's people more and more each day. In this type of compelling community, we gather for mutual encouragement to express deep care and concern for each other, to offer positive support and reassurance, to offer reproof and warning when necessary, and to remind each other that we live day to day and the end of the age is coming. When we live like this, this is the kind of community that draws people in. It's my hope that in our corporate worship and in our limited time frame and in our compelling community, we encourage one another on and spur one another toward love and good deeds. So where else might you see this picture of an encouraging community? James Bryan Smith describes a community in South Africa called the Claypot Church. About 20 years ago, Pastor Tom Smith and his wife took a sabbatical, and they were seeking God's direction for their ministry. When they returned, they started a church that's unlike many others. You see, each year, the members of the church gather together, break a clay pot, they write their prayers on the pieces, and then they reassemble that clay pot. The pot is broken, but it's a visual reminder that God's light shines through their community of broken people. The community covenants together to meet for corporate worship and for small group fellowship. They covenant to form intentional relationships with people outside the church, and they covenant to meet with accountability partners who will encourage them and, and call them out when they need it and offer reproof in those times that they need it as well. It's an intense community, but it's compelling, and it's exciting, and it's where God is at work. What is God calling you to today? So we'd love to have your voice present as we talk about what it means to gather together for corporate worship with our families. You can help us shape our worshiping community by participating in the family focus groups right after our church next week. We've heard of exciting news in our outreach ministry. You can help us shape our community by coming to the congregational meeting and speaking into what our outreach ministry is looking to become. There were four friends who brought their friend to Jesus because he needed healing. So I asked you earlier, but again, who can you bring to the encouraging community of worship here at ECC? And finally, maybe this is your call. If you are a part of ECC, with whom in this community are you choosing to walk? With whom are you choosing to go deeper and to connect with on that fellowship level? Look for a person who can encourage you to engage in soul training activities and a person who can keep you accountable and a person who can offer admonishment when needed. These are all exciting things that God could have to bring encouragement into our community, and we would love for you to take a part. Will you pray with me to close our time together this morning?
Gracious God, we thank you for this community here at ECC. Lord, we realize that this place is indeed a gift and that as you speak encouragement to us and through us and in us, Lord, we thank you that we see your spirit alive and at work today. God, let us be a place where we do draw near to you. Let us be a place where we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us be a place where we may consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Lord, we long to be that place for your people. And Lord, as we draw near to you in these ways, we pray that we would draw others in, that we would change our communities, that people would see the encouragement pouring out of this place in ways that would speak of your glory and of your power. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.